grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. As this is a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. And that's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today a special message Pastor Sean Azaro delivered for the Advent season with the hope that comes with Christmas. We're all hungry for something more. We long for it. We go to great lengths to try to fill the emptiness and yet it remains. Find out what Jesus says will satisfy your hunger. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then we hope you do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. The series is called In the Flesh. Today it's part one of the message called The Source. Pastor Sean Azaro is teaching from the book of John. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio series is called In the Flesh because we are celebrating this idea, we are remembering, we are examining this idea of Jesus Christ come in the flesh and what that is for us. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 1. One of the things as I was preparing for this week's message I thought about is kind of hunger and inner drive that people have, because we all do. There's just something in us, we want something for our lives, don't we? I recently had a guy I know who went through a, just a very painful divorce. I don't know that there's a non-painful divorce. But he, he went through, and it was interesting, and I've seen this with a number of different people. <clears throat> he began on, in social media and stuff showing pictures of himself at the gym, pictures working out, pictures and kind of... I don't know if you've seen that before, and I, I don't want to make fun of anybody take, taking pictures at the gym. Although I've been to the gym, the gyms I've been to have mirrors. I'm not taking pictures of that. Okay. I'm not sending you any pictures of this, okay? That, that's not happening. But, but it's interesting because, you know, he's working and working towards some goals. And it's just you, you can see that so often when one area of our life is broken or is hurting or feels like a failure or, or it didn't go the way we'd hoped, it's like we're, we look for other areas where there can be achievement, advancement. We, we, there's something in us that hungers for something <clears throat> to go right. You know, in fact, in... The Sermon on the Mount, remember what Jesus said? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We hunger and thirst for rightness, things to be as God intended them to be. And that's a gift. That's something we're supposed to. We hunger and thirst for righteousness. Universally, I think we are all hungry for something. We've all used the phrase, like at work, a, a new employee or something, we say, man, he's really hungry. Or someone is working, he, he wants it, he's hungry. We talk about it when we talk about sports. You know, which team wants it the most? Who's the most hungry? There's an inner drive, an inner something. What is it? Where does it come from? I want to suggest that while it can be twisted and turned, and it often is twisted and turned in unhealthy ways, I want to suggest it's something that originally is from God, and we're supposed to have that hunger. Where we satisfy it makes all the difference in the world. Now remember, we're in John chapter 1. I'm going to pick up at verse 1. We read this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Remember last week, we looked at that that unique title, because we come to find out he's talking about Jesus, but calling him the Word, the Logos, the Word. He's the message, the Word, the message. And, And we made a very important distinction. He is not the messenger. This is not a grammatical error. He's not the messenger. He's the message. 
He is the message. Remember we learned that the answer to your biggest questions about God are found in the person of Jesus. In him we see who God really is. We see what he's like. We see his vision for our lives. We get a glimpse in ways that we can understand and we can relate to. That's the power of him being the word. And then we go on and we're told, through him all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that's been made. Look at this phrase. In him was life. I want you to note that. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Now skip down to verse 11 because we're given a little more distinction. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray that you would speak to us today. Let us hear what you want to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, what we learn is that this one that we're talking about, that John's presenting to us, this one, the word became flesh and lived among us so that we could see and experience God's amazing gift of life. In fact, he is described as the giver of life. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. These verses describe him as giver in two different ways, actually. First, giver of life as creator. It says, by him was everything made. Actually, the way it actually says it was, through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. So he is giver of life as creator. He spoke it all into being. Now, we get into arguments about this um, culturally, about creation, right? It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. If if you're going to be a believer, then you have to suspend all intellectual pursuit. You have to kind of just suspend your intellect and just buy this thing because you're denouncing all of science and you're going contrary to all of scientific thought and understanding. I I, I do want to suggest something to you. If you ask any scientist, I don't care, the most hardcore evolutionary biologist, geneticist, whatever scientific discipline you want to pursue, you get that person and you corner them. Okay, Don't do it in public. Okay, don't do it in public. They, they, can't, they could not deal with this. You corner them and you start asking questions. Okay, how did that happen? How did that happen? Where did that, where did that come from? Where did that come from? Wait, where did that come from? Well, we think, okay, okay you think, but, but where did that come from? Where the, eventually, they're going to get to the place where he says, we don't know. We don't know. Because they're all going to have to point to a mysterious and unexplainable origin. When you talk about the Big Bang... They're going to explain something. And when you say, okay, what caused the Big Bang? If, if something exploded, where did the elements that exploded come from? We don't know. Richard Dawkins was actually pushed to the place where he said, I don't know, maybe aliens implanted something. But it couldn't be a creator. Well, no. But the aliens did it. I mean, when you stop and you realize this, there's a whole lot of non-science in our scientific understandings. I mean... When you stop and think about the theories of origin, there's this bias. There's this, there's this thing that is set up as the beginning. And, and really, if you really look at it and are honest, 
you recognize so much of evolutionary science, so much of the science of naturalism and, and origins starts with this premise. Since there couldn't have been a creator, then this must have. And really, it's like, well, we, it's unthinkable to think of a creator because we, we can't see him. What is the evidence of this creator? And I would say the creation. The evidence of a, create, of a creator is the creation. And, and, and that's true with anything. It'd be like, I'll tell you, if we drove a car in here, just put a car right here, nice new, brand new car. And I start to say to you, you need to explain to me the origin of this, but it couldn't have been a creator. There could be no designer. There could be no manufacturer. That's unthinkable. So now explain to me the origin of this car. And you'd be amazed at the creative things that people come up with. Well, it's possible that we think possibly. that. And why is it all the same color? Well, because over just many, many thousands, tens of thousands of years, of millions of years of heat, pressure, and radioactive events that caused the, this gradually morphed into a car. You know, we think a million years ago it was a motorcycle, but, but now it, it's a car. And it's like, come on. What's the evidence that there's a designer an engineer, a manufacturer, the car. Because cars don't just appear. But it'd be amazing the creative ways we would come of explaining this car apart from. When, when you begin with a premise, it's unthinkable to think that there was a creator. We, you can't consider that, which, by the way, is very unscientific. When you start with a premise that, okay, this whole area we can't even explore, we can't consider, that's not science, that's bias. And you just need to know that that's kind of the playing field that we're dealing with in this conversation. Well, into that, John says, no, 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 there is a giver of life. I'm not saying every scientific observation is wrong. I'm not. I'm saying a lot of it is biased, and so therefore it's not necessarily as completely honest as it could be. Because the Bible doesn't come off as some textbook. It doesn't try to give us the mechanisms that God used to create. It says, God said, and there was. It says there is a designer and there is a creator. It doesn't tell exactly the mechanisms he used for creation. And there can be a lot of discussion and a lot of differing opinions on how that happened. But what the scripture is clear on is that there was a creator. And and John says, Jesus, this Jesus was there. He's the giver of life as creator. He spoke it into being. And he gives a second way that he is the giver of life. And that is as redeemer. Remember, he said he came to that with his own, his own didn't receive him, but to all who received him, he believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Sin created this separation, sin created this death. Jesus Christ paid the death penalty on the cross so that we could have life. God created us, gave us life at creation, and then when we sold ourselves through sin into the slavery, and we incurred a death penalty, Jesus himself came, paid that death penalty, and bought us back again. So twice, he is the giver of life. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, the listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called The Source from the series In the Flesh, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 
302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now back to the message, The Source. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. But I want to suggest there's a little more. If we look down in the passage a little more, God, I, that John, I think, gives us a look at a third way that Jesus is the giver of life. And that's what I want to focus on a little bit this morning. Pick up at verse 29. The next day, John, this is John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming towards him. And he said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's that second giver of life, the Redeemer. This is the one I meant when I said a man who comes after me surpassed me because he was before me. I myself didn't know him, but the reason I came baptized with waters was that, was that he might be revealed to Israel. So John's telling about his mission. I was a forerunner to another. Then John gave this testimony. It's very important. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself didn't know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, this is God. By his Spirit, he revealed to John. He told me this. The man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one, listen, who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I've seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. This idea of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I want to suggest as a third way that he is on an ongoing basis the giver of life. Jesus said himself in John 7, beginning in verse 37, we're told on the last great day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, listen, let anyone who's thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. He was going to pour out his Spirit, and that Spirit would be like a river flowing from us, an ongoing, continually renewing and refreshing sense of God's presence that would flow through those who believed in him. That's the power of the Spirit. His Spirit resident in us is like that continual refreshing flow of water or spiritual life. Think of that. He's the giver of life. This is spiritual life resident in us. I think this is extremely important, and I believe it's a game changer. In this world where we are constantly trying to quench a thirst, where we are trying to satisfy a hunger somewhere with something, this idea that he is an ongoing source of life and supply is critical. I want to suggest to us, because of his spirit resident in us, in me, in you, It's not correct to simply say, he gave me life. Well, he's my creator, so he gave me life. Well, he was my redeemer, so when I became a follower of Jesus, he gave me life. No, I want to suggest it is proper to say he gives me life. 
He is the source of life today. He is the source of life now. Not he was. He is right now. See, because we are people who are hungry for something. We look for something. We try to satisfy that hunger in all different kinds of ways. He is the giver of life right now. Jesus said it as a be- in a beautiful way. We see him as creator in John 1. We see him as redeemer in John 1. But I want to suggest he is also the giver of life as sustainer. He is the sustainer of life because of his spirit in us. Here's the way Jesus laid it out in John 15, just these few verses beginning at verse 5. Remember Jesus' illustration, my father's the gardener, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, you can bear much fruit. Father prunes the vine so they can bear fruit. Those who don't, they're cut off. He says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Understand this in the context of the illustration. Okay? He used the illustration because it's kind of obvious. Well, of course, if you cut a vine or a branch off the vine, we all know it may still look alive, but it's going to be dead soon because it's just been cut off from the source. Jesus is saying, that's what I am in you. I'm the source. You'll bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is such a powerful scripture. Powerful description of what his presence in us means. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So Jesus gives us this picture. And here's the main point I I want you to write down this morning. If you're taking notes, write it down. Jesus is the only source that can truly satisfy our ongoing hunger for life. Our ongoing hunger for life. Let me tell you, this word, ongoing, it wasn't originally in my sentence, and I didn't want it because a sentence speaks better without it. Yeah, I think about that kind of stuff. You're like, really? But it was so important, it had to be there. Our hunger for life is not like a one-time thing, and then we, once we find the, that thing that satisfies, okay, now we're done. No, we all through our, our entire lives are seeking the life that we were created for, and we seek it all different kind of ways. This is not just a message to the unbeliever. We sometimes think that's a message to the unbeliever. Those of us who found Christ, well, of course, yeah, we're done. We, we, we did that. We checked that box. That's absolutely wrong. He is the only source that can truly satisfy our ongoing hunger for life. We all have a hunger. Paul said, remember in Acts 17, 28, he said, in him we live, in him we move, and we have our being. This is so important. So many of us miss it. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We seek so many things. We seek so many different ways to satisfy that hunger. I mean, think about it. You know, sometimes it's almost easier for you to look at other people because we're not really objective with ourselves. Look at people who you care about and you know in your family or maybe in, in someone who you've prayed for, been concerned with. You can almost see the thing that they're trying to satisfy the hunger and you can see the hunger. And that doesn't mean these are always unhealthy things. Sometimes they're, fi- they're fine. But I want to suggest you anytime we go outside of the true, the only source to truly satisfy that inner hunger, whatever it is, even good things become unhealthy things. Even good things can become destructive things because they can never really satisfy. Remember in uh, John 6, 
This is right after Jesus had fed the multitude with loaves and fishes, and they come looking for him. And he's like, yeah, you came because you're looking for lunch again. Really, he says that. And it's like, no, we're spiritual. We want to teach. Really, it's, 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 and he's like, yeah, you, you came because you were fed. And so, so they ask him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Because they'd seen the sign of loaves and fishes. They're wanting an encore. What sign will you do that, you, that we may see and believe? What will you do? And listen, that, now they help Jesus along. They give a little suggestion. Well, our ancestors ate the man in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And they're kind of like, you could do the bread thing again. My brother-in-law here didn't see it. It was awesome. Some of the best bread I've ever had. Really, it was excellent. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it's not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven. It's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. And so they're still thinking, oh, this is going to get good. Jesus is going to start cooking. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, listen, I want you to hear this. I am the bread of life. I am the bread of life. I am the sustenance. I am your nourishment, your daily portion. That's what I am. Whoever comes to me will, ne- will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I am the bread of life. See, we all have a hunger. And just because you're a follower of Jesus, your hunger hasn't stopped. In fact, I want to say to you, he put that hunger in you. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. He put it in you. Where you satisfy it, though, makes all the difference in the world. Because we as Christians can try to satisfy that hunger in all kinds of things. Try to satisfy it in church activities. Try to satisfy it in religious programming. All kinds of things. And please, I'm a pastor. For the love of God. I mean, church activities are great. Okay? Christmas Eve, be there. <laughs> that was offsides. I, I'll admit, I, I went too far on that one. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, you can go, if you think that's going to satisfy, those are great things if they help connect you to Jesus, the source that will satisfy. But if, if you're trying to kind of check boxes and go through religious activity and satisfy the hunger, it, religious activity can't do it. It's not enough. Now, Jesus is the only source that can truly satisfy our ongoing hunger for life. A couple thoughts. Jesus satisfies our hunger for meaning. This is one of the big things we're hungry for. We are looking for meaning. And we look for it all different kind of places. We are looking for meaning. When I say meaning, I'm talking about significance. We're looking for significance. I matter, and I made a difference. That's significance. I mattered. We all want to matter. We want our life to matter. We want to know we made a difference. It wasn't just about kind of going to work, do the week, and kind of get it over with as quick as possible, try to enjoy the weekend as much as possible, and then start it all over again just to get to the next weekend. That's a rat race none of us really wants to be a part of, but if we're honest, far too many of us are. And, And something in us hungers for significance and purpose. Purpose is that thing that says, I did something important and worthwhile. It's one of our biggest perceived needs. You know that significance and purpose? If you ask people, kind of in that quiet moment where we're reflective and honest, that desire for meaning, significance and purpose is a big deal. 
And we achieve it, we, I mean, we pursue it all different kind of ways. We do it through work and achievement. You know, I'll have significance and meaning and purpose if, if I achieve this next level. If I get this promotion, if I get this career, if I, if I can achieve these things, if I can get this high, then I will be significant. Then I'll have meaning. We do it through money. When I get enough money, then I'll really, people will see me differently and I'll be up here. I'll be in this upper echelon. I'll be able to do these things. I'll be empowered. I'll be secure. I'll have all these different things because I have enough money. And we look for that sense of purpose and meaning. Education. I get enough letters after my name. People look at me with respect. And what I say will matter. And I'll be up here because I want to be important. I want meaning. I want significance. Connections. If I know the right people, if I hang with the right people, if I'm in that crowd or that group, then I'll really have achieved. One of the saddest people in the world to talk to. Listen to me. One of the saddest people who's the person who spent their life climbing the ladder and they make it to the top. And then they realize that ladder was leaning against the wrong building the whole time. They realize I made it to the top of something that at the end of the day doesn't matter. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, I got more toys. I got more money. I'm, my name's on the door. Big deal. I'm still me. I still have this hunger and it's still not satisfied. See, Jesus will satisfy our hunger for purpose meaning and significance. That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series In the Flesh, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262, as Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life.